Good morning, KGF family. Did you get your email invite yet? KGF family gatherings in the park happened last week. They're happening this Sunday and next Sunday. So check the website or your newsletter for your date and time and place. There's one in your neighborhood. And if you can't make the one in your neighborhood, join another one. Next, hubs are starting to happen. There's one in your neighborhood. You can join one, you can make your own. If you need help, contact office at kgfchurch.com and we'll find one with you that works for you. Last, we have one more KGF in conversation happening. That's Tuesday at 7 p.m. You need to RSVP office at kgfchurch.com to let us know you're coming. This is your place to engage, to ask questions, to find out about the Hub Vision, and to be part of the solution. Come be part of our community. We together are Christ's church. Hi, church family. Welcome to KGF. Uh, my name is Ray. Um, I like to play music with you guys. Um, uh, before we play, though, I want to share something uh, that happened this couple weeks. Um, uh, I've uh, had very interesting last couple weeks. Um, I had to kind of deal with a little bit of disappointment. Uh, I've been struggling to find a job in my field, and uh, and I've had to make compromises and you know, you know, you kind of look for a job that uh, that has a little bit of what you want to do. Um, I found one that was perfect. Everything was lined up perfectly. It was a dream job, and uh, the interview didn't actually go very well. And and uh, I was worried that I wouldn't get it. I was also worried that if I didn't get it, that I would turn on God and rebel against Him, you know, and kind of be bitter about it. And so. Um, the day came uh, about last Tuesday. Uh, I found out that I actually did not get the job. And um, as soon as that happened, I got these songs stuck in my head on repeat, just over and over again. Uh, one of them being like a song about the consistency of God's goodness and that he's always good and he's always faithful. It was a little bit frustrating to have these songs stuck in my head. I eventually gave in to them, and, uh, and it, was, uh, it was great to embrace them. Two days later, uh, Joel contacted me. Uh, this is about Thursday last week. He contacted me, and he asked me if I would lead worship this week. Um, and I agreed to it. Uh, and guess what songs I picked? Those difficult songs that were driving me up the wall last week. So um, I ended up having that sort of encouragement. We, I picked those songs. Um, then later that day, I hung out with a friend of mine who was who's very uh, passionate about God, a very spiritual person, and she was just speaking good words into me. And then the next day, somebody from my triad shared uh, a, a message that really impacted me. And then... Um, long story short, I, uh, instead of rebelling against God and instead of rebelling, uh, you know, turning my back on him, I, I basically was rebelling the other way, whereas, like, things aren't going well, so I am going to, um, 
I am going to push into God. And it wasn't necessarily a conscious choice that I made. It was like God set me up to cushion the blow of not getting the job and to actually draw me closer to him. Uh, and so um, this week in that sort of thema thematic, uh, the theme of this week, uh, I actually decided to pick difficult songs for me to sing. Uh, they're songs that um, uh, I feel like a fraud sometimes singing them because I don't... Uh, because you know they're very they they're very they have a lot of declaration to them there's a lot of um uh there's a lot of things that are said in the songs that are contrary to my my nature like one song i'm singing is about the goodness of god being faithful um that i talked about earlier another one is that i have a lot of anxiety and um this song is uh, no longer a slave to fear and so with those songs, I decided to wrap it up with I Surrender All, which is one of the hardest songs to sing for somebody who likes to be in control all the time. So as a church family, I would uh, recommend that you, um, that you lean into the struggle. Uh, lean into the song. Uh, declare something that you might not be comfortable with to push your faith to a new level. And uh, I would encourage you to do that. Um, in that vein, um, I actually picked another scripture this week, and it's from James. Um, it's James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. And this is, a, um, coincidentally, a scripture that I struggle with as well. Um, it is... Uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And I just pray that for you when difficult times come, that you don't wallow in the difficulties and you don't ignore them and push them aside and not deal with them, but you walk through with the resistance of the difficulties, testing your faith to develop it like a muscle and so that you become stronger and more spiritual in God. Um, Lord, thank you for those opportunities. I know it's really hard. It's like praying for patience. It's, uh, it's really hard to deal with it. Um, but God, thank you for the testing of faith to develop perseverance and I just pray that we will be stronger in you um, as we struggle through this set list of, of songs. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in.
first verse that I forgot to sing last time. <laughs> Help us to lean into you. Help us to acknowledge your presence and that you're with us. And as messages are being shared, Lord, I just pray that you'll open our hearts to them. Grant us wisdom and understanding. Give us spiritual ears so we can not just hear what is said, but we can hear what you said. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Good morning, KGF Church. My name is Paul Nicholson. My wife, Colleen, and I have attended here for the last five years. This morning, I'm excited to be with you and to take a look at a New Testament character to hopefully gain some insights into the reason he appears in the Bible. 
This person is one whose names you will undoubtedly recognize and tends to be remembered primarily for one negative character trait. I want to take a few minutes to, example, to examine the biblical account of Thomas, and in doing so, see whether his reputation over the last two millennia is justified. He's most commonly known to or referred to as the doubter or doubting Thomas. But what does the Bible have to say about the Apostle Thomas? Not just our preconceived notions, but all of what it says about him, who he is, who he interacts with, and how he expresses himself. Let's begin with some Thomas trivia. You may be surprised to know that Thomas is only mentioned 11 times by name in Scripture. Five times in the Bible, he's numbered with as one of the original 12 apostles, once in each of the four Gospels and once in the book of Acts. The other six times his name comes up in Scripture are all in John's letter, and they all involve an interaction with or about Jesus. So let's take a look at what Scripture has to say about the Apostle Thomas. We'll begin in, in uh, the first time that Thomas is mentioned in John 11, verses 11 to 15. Jesus speaking said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that you may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now if that sounds a little strange to you, rest assured you're not alone. On the surface, we might wonder what Thomas means by this statement. One thought is that Thomas is both confident and aware that Jesus intends to raise Lazarus from the dead. It seems that Thomas sees this as an opportunity for all of the disciples to go with Jesus and die like Lazarus so Jesus can raise them all from the dead and make the miracle even greater. That's just one thought, and it's really not something that's stated one way or the other in Scripture. The second time Thomas is mentioned is in John 14, 1 to 5. Jesus speaking says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going, Thomas said to him. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? This interaction takes place immediately following the Last Supper, Jesus' betrayal, and Jesus telling his disciples that he's going away soon and just before Gethsemane. He makes the wonderful announcement that we all as believers take comfort in. He tells the disciples that there is a place for them in heaven with him in his father's house and he is going to prepare a place for him and for us. In verse 5, Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? This despite Jesus having spoken about it during the Last Supper, the disciples, including Thomas, obviously haven't yet understood Jesus. 
And you would think that Peter or maybe James and John, the sons of thunder, might be the ones who'd be bold enough to ask the question of Jesus. But it is Thomas who takes the initiative here. At face value, this is really a logical question. Thomas is wanting to know how to get to this wonderful place Jesus has spoken about. He is not doubting or lacking faith that the place exists, but rather asking some specifics about how to get there because he wants to go, but he has no roadmap. Then in John 14, 6, Jesus responds to Thomas and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me, through me. One of the central truths of our beliefs about Jesus. The final time we see Thomas is in John chapter 20. The story begins in verses 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his sides. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. The context of verses 19 and 20 is immediately after Jesus' resurrection. The empty tomb has been discovered. And we find the disciples are gathered in the upper room behind locked doors in fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus appears to them. He shows them both his, sand, his hands and his side, and they believed and rejoiced. Then we move on to verse 24 to verse 29, and we read, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger in the place of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood and said to them, Peace be with you. He then said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger, and see my hands and reach here with your hand and put it in my side. And do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who did not see me and yet believed. I'd like to highlight a few things out of this account. In verse 24, we're told that Thomas is not present at the first resurrection appearance of Jesus. And possibly, he was one of the two spoken about in the story on the road to Emmaus. But in verse 25, Thomas said to them, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of his nails, and put my fingers in the place of his nails, put my hands in his side, I will not believe. Thomas is saying to the other disciples that unless I have the same personal experience that all of you had, to see and touch the wounds of the Lord, I will not believe he is alive. He wants the same empirical proof, that which he can verify with his five physical senses, that Jesus is alive. Verse 26 tells us there's a span of time between verse 25 and 26 that we often overlook. Eight days took place. You'd have to wonder what the discussions were during that time amongst the disciples. But in verse 27, then he, that's Jesus, said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my sides and reach here with your hand and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, 
That's not believing based on what you've been told by the other disciples, but believing what you see and feel now personally. Jesus directly addresses the specific things Thomas wanted proof of, the holes in his hands from the, name, the nails on the cross, and the final proof Jesus was dead that day, the hole the Roman, side, the Roman soldier pierced in his side to establish that there was no question or doubt whether death had occurred. I think it's worthy of note that Jesus did not question Thomas about his desire or need to see the tangible evidence that the other apostles claimed that Jesus was alive. Jesus simply acknowledges, acknowledged Thomas's specific request and gave him the same opportunity the other disciples had been given eight days before. In, in verse 28, Thomas answered the Lord and said, My Lord and my God, Thomas now had the proof he wanted and is now acknowledging that Jesus was indeed deity. No one had previously addressed Jesus in this way and it marks a significant leap of faith on the part of Thomas to do so. He is acknowledging that Jesus and God, Yahweh, are one, which is quite a, de quite a declaration for a Jew. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. And I think we're included in that group because we haven't seen Jesus yet. So we've looked at Thomas and we see from Scripture that he is spiritually enthusiastic. He desires to be involved in what Jesus is doing. He's a participant in, in ministry. He's eager to be involved in the raising of Lazarus. He's bold not afraid to question or issue a call to action. He didn't question Jesus' plan for a heavenly dwelling, only wanted a map he could see. He's a seeker of truth. He wanted empirical evidence, not hearsay, as the basis for what he would, would accept as fact. And he's a believer in Jesus and his position theologically. His final words, my Lord and my God. So, is his nickname as Doubting Thomas justified? I'll leave that for you to decide. Final thoughts about this in the conclusion of John's letter is in chapter 20, verse 30, where it says, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been chosen to be written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you may have life in his name. This is the apostle's purpose for writing this entire letter, and I believe part of that is seen in the inclusion of the account of Thomas and his declaration about Jesus. It is also the reason he chose very specific signs to include in his letter and to give his, re his readers reason and opportunity to change their minds from unbelief to believing just as Thomas did. Well, thanks, Paul, for leading us into an incredible story and that interaction between Thomas and Jesus. And I don't know how you're feeling out there, but uh, this season that we're in can sometimes make us feel like Thomas, as Paul was reminding us that um, uh, doubting what Jesus is up to. <laughs> and in these days, it can be easy to wonder that. And, and you know what? That's okay, because he's still the risen Lord with those uh, marks in his hands, and we can trust him, and he will show up and lead us, 
And we actually have a little story of, uh, that relates to that today with Kalen Clausen. Kalen, welcome. Hi. Hi, thank you. Glad that you're here. Thank you. Uh, Kalen, uh, tell me a little bit, uh, like how long have you been part of KGF Church? So my wife and I have been going here for about five years now. And your wife's name? My wife's name is Rachel. Rachel and Kalen. So I'm um, so glad that you've joined us uh, today. Um, so one of the interesting things is you, you have this uh, really cool thing that's emerging where you live in lake country and uh, the small gathering has started kind of like a like a hub which we've been talking about as a church as we move in this direction and you've started to do it can you tell us a little bit about about that and what led you to start something yeah <clears throat> so about i don't know about a month a month into covid um, i just had noticed that churches kind of almost went silent and it was really starting to bother me um, I started kind of asking around, just talking to different people about how they felt about it. I didn't get a whole lot of response at first. Um, and then I just started getting the verse. I don't remember exactly what it is, but basically, do not forsake the gathering. Uh-huh. It just kept rattling around in my brain, and it, it just it wouldn't stop. Hmm. Um, the thing about me, though, is I get, like, I get a lot of ideas that I can kind of focus in on and, and think about a little bit too much. So... It's like, okay, we'll leave that thought alone for a while, and we'll see what happens with it. If it comes back, we'll think more about it. Uh, and it actually didn't leave me alone. It got worse. Huh. Uh, and by worse, I mean it just... Or better. Or better. Which it got better. <laughs> yeah. Um, it got more persistent anyways. So mm-hmm. I started trying again some more, put it out on Facebook a bit. Didn't get much of a response from there either until I went out for coffee with a friend and had brought the idea to him. And he was on he was on board right away. Hmm. Uh, he's like, yeah, for sure. We'd we'd um, we'd like to start something with you. So he, he was like, what is it? Like, what is it you're thinking of? So I was like, I just I want to I want to meet. I want to pray. I want to fellowship with other Christians. The world is seems like it's getting ripped in half right now, hmm. and it's not a time to be sleeping. Huh. Um, I just had this like just this huge desire to pray with other Christians. So. He had mentioned that he had a few people that were also interested in, in getting together. So we started talking a little bit more about Forest Church, um, and he was all down for it. But I was like, hey, but we don't really have necessarily um, like a preacher at, at, to come to our park and, um, or to the forest or wherever we're going to be going. Um, and he had been doing some preaching in, in Africa and um, in, wow. in Mongolia, so he already had the experience. So I was like, hey, would you preach? Yes, I will. Like, no hesitation at all. <laughs> okay. Um, it'd be kind of cool if we had a worship, like a little bit of a worship team. He's like, I think I know. I think I have a guy. So he texted me back that evening. He had a guy to help lead worship. He had a couple other uh, couples that were really desiring to meet as well. Um, and these are these are all, like, people in your area, kind of like up in Lake Country, or is it? Yeah, um, so my friend who agreed to preach, he was from, or they live kind of near the Apple Bowl, mm-hmm. but everyone else is out of Lake yeah. Country. Yeah. So oh, that's really cool. What, what's, um, I mean, you described a little bit what the gathering looks like. It's like the, the Forest Church. It feels like, you know, the stories from church history of the church in challenging times having to meet in various places where, where it's safe, and yeah. now we're in a pandemic. But this desire for connecting, the other thing I'm hearing in what you're saying is like, this was the Holy Spirit prompting you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you had to take a risk to kind of 
I did. Um, and I'm not, I'm not the most like socially extroverted person. So when I first felt like, I felt like the Holy Spirit essentially was saying, we need, you need to do something about this and we should get people together. Hmm. I, I like, I'm not really, you know, worthy to do that. I don't have all these, you know, <laughs> theological degrees or I'm just, you know, regular Joe. So I was pretty regular hesitant. Kalen. Resident, yeah, 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 Kalen. yeah. Uh, hmm. But I've done mission trips before. So, and every time before I went on a mission trip, about a week beforehand, I would just get this insane anxiety, like bail, 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 change, change your mind. It's too scary. What are you thinking? Hmm. So those thoughts started arising um, the night before you were going to meet and almost had like a full-on anxiety attack the night before. <laughs> just kind of had, you know, the words from the enemy, like, who do you think you are? You're not worthy. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. if people like really knew about you? They wouldn't come. Right. Um, so actually that, that leads to like a really big question. You know, as, as a church, as we try to encourage and move our people in this very interesting time to 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 be the church and these, these mini churches that we believe God is stirring that we're, that we're calling hubs, but it doesn't really matter what we call them. It's the heart of it that matters. Like, um, like what, what would you say to people who have been sensing something like this or desiring it? They're missing the connecting. Maybe they're in like the John passage. They're doubting what Jesus is up to. Right. Um, but what would you say to those people? Like, I would just say just like if it's really a desire in your heart to meet with other Christians or if you're feeling the desire to just to reconnect with God, it's, it's God's calling in your heart and just take the step. Mm-hmm. Just take a step. That's all I did really. I just took the step and God filled in mm-hmm. all the other spaces that I wasn't filling in. That's good. One of the things, you were part of some of the training we've done so far and one of the things we've been trying to encourage people towards is just like, just take the risk. Don't don't be afraid to fail because to follow God's leading will start to bear fruit. And but it takes a risk, and you've demonstrated that. You're modeling that for us. Thank you, by the way. But uh, what's been some of the fruit? Like, where are you seeing fruit of the work of the Spirit of God? You know, maybe in your own life. Right. Um, I think one of the one of the really one of the really cool things about it was meeting with essentially a bunch of strangers, like none of us knew each other, but there was just almost like this, not instant, but pretty much like this instant camaraderie. Hmm. Um, The morning of, we all met together and it was so relaxed um, and there was no, there was no feelings of judgment or, or like you kind of had to prove something like you were a good person. It was just a bunch of people desiring to be with God meeting together. And that was our common ground. It was like, Hmm. that was the, the icebreaker in itself was just that we wanted to be with Jesus. That's really cool. Uh, how often do you guys meet? Do you meet every week? Is that how it's working? Yeah. So yeah. we meet, we've been meeting every Sunday at 11, actually at a park near my place. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, sounds like it's full of life. It is. Is. It, is it kind of adventurous? It, I mean, to me, it's fully adventurous. I've never done anything like this before. Never thought I'd be doing anything like this before. I'm like essentially starting a small church. Yeah, it's been a full adventure. That's awesome. Well, we're we're with you in it. 
I'm grateful that you're you're stirring this among us, and and uh, I just actually believe that there's more people that God is actually stirring in in a direction of this kind of adventure and risk. So thanks, Kalen, for modeling it for us and for being willing to share today. Just, this is a hard thing to do as well. Oh, so thanks for being courageous. Thank you. So as we ponder what we've learned about Thomas, the twin, a couple of things you can discuss in your group as you consider how to live as those who believe. The first question, how is God inviting us to engage with him when we have doubts or questions about Jesus? Consider how Jesus responded to Thomas's questioning the other disciples claim about the resurrection. Is this different to how we could respond to someone who questions what we believe about Jesus? The second question, how should we respond to others when they voice doubts or questions, and how should we walk with them? Should we perhaps even expect them to voice their questions and opposing thoughts and anticipate how to respond to them? As we are challenged in, the, in 1 Peter 3.15, where he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the, the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. Good morning, KGF family. Did you get your email invite yet? KGF family gatherings in the park happened last week. They're happening this Sunday and next Sunday. So check the website or your newsletter for your date and time and place. There's one in your neighborhood. And if you can't make the one in your neighborhood, join another one. Next, hubs are starting to happen. There's one in your neighborhood. You can join one, you can make your own. If you need help, contact office at kgfchurch.com and we'll find one with you that works for you. Last, we have one more KGF in conversation happening. That's Tuesday at 7 p.m. You need to RSVP office at kgfchurch.com to let us know you're coming. This is your place to engage, to ask questions, to find out about the hub vision, and to be part of the solution. Come be part of our community. We together are Christ's church.